I've talked to several business owners that actually struggle with this concept and, and resist it because they say, yeah, but if I train my team, they'll leave. And I challenge them, I say, what's the opposite? If you don't train your team, they stay. Now you have a team full of untrained people, which by nature are limiting their value to your organization. Welcome to Making It to Market, the podcast where we discuss everything about taking your product or service idea through to commercialization. I'm your host, Dahlia Collada. We're back again with the very wise Reagan Patterson, CEO, business, and executive coach of Action Coach Mid-Central Texas. In the previous episode, we talked about building a company to attract the employees that you want and three types of business culture. Today's episode is really good. We're discussing the seven keys of a winning team and fear versus faith. This episode is part of a four-part series. You'll want to hear them in order. There's so much to learn from today's guests. You don't want to miss Reagan's key takeaways. Information links and a transcript from today's episode are available in the show notes. Let's get into it. What, what do you do once you've established individual KPIs for our position? What do you do next? Like, how do you bring it all together? So we have in one of our building blocks uh, on team is seven keys to a winning team. And, um, you know, we kind of let's let's we'll break down each one here. So first, we want to start with strong leadership. So do we have strong leadership in place? Do we have um, a management department that is understanding the difference between organizational structure and and leadership structure. And to me, I think that's a very important distinction because uh, a leader, well, let, let me ask you this. Do you, do you think that leadership and management are the same thing? I think that's a very good question. I think when I think of the word leadership, I think of people management, people, uh, people steering, people coaching, people um, cheerleading, encouraging. That's what a leader is to me. Um, and, and pulling out the best in people and pushing them to be their best, all for a common goal. And I think leadership also has many touch points with that person throughout, you know, the work week. It's not just a see you in once a month and that's it. A leader is constantly involved, constantly supporting, say, hey, is there anything I can do to help you today? What can I do to support you? Um, whereas a manager is more of like, I think of it more of the business processes, um, and the business growth and evolution. What do you think? What, are, what is your definition? I, I, I love your definition. Um, I you. think, I think management is an organizational title that we have to have for structure and leadership is a title that has to be earned every day. And management is there to ensure that the organization mission and purpose is being executed and that the performance standards are met and leadership is that individual ensuring that that team member that that individual is thriving and that you're extracting the most value you can from that individual because they're providing value they're doing it in an enjoyable manner and they again know know what's expected of them and, and how their performance is tying into the overall picture Absolutely, so yeah 
in an ideal situation, your manager is your leader. Yes. And, so, and some, some people think that they're a leader and a manager and they don't have any of the correct skills in either one of those things. That's right. Yep. In fact, I've seen a lot of organizations promote people through just tenure into management roles and kind of go, man, what happened to, to this oh, yeah. individual? They used to be such a great, let's, let's, say, let's say a salesperson, right? I've seen this a few times where yeah. a salesperson's a phenomenal salesperson. And then through tenure, there's an opening for sales manager. Well, now you've taken that person and given them a management organizational role where now they're managing people on their team and they're not out in the field selling. Those are very different skill sets. Absolutely. And, and then they wonder why maybe this overall sales numbers aren't working or why the performance of that individual. So again, so in, in back to my definition of management, we haven't, we failed as, as management because we've not provided this person the opportunity for success. We haven't given them the tools necessary and really painted the picture of what this new management role looks like and given that individual the option to choose that role. Um, so when we look at um, when we look at leadership, leadership doesn't it's not an org structure. You can have a frontline employee that's a leader. Yes, that's a very good point. So, and, and you can have a, a senior executive that is not a leader at all. Um, and to me, one of the dangers that can happen is when organizations call everyone in a supervisor role, when they call them leaders. Yeah. So how do you define a supervisor? So it's, so supervisor, I think would just be, I have supervisor is another word for management or manager, okay. in my opinion. So okay. I'm, I'm over someone else. So what, what I'm trying to distinguish here is the, the potential pitfall of an organization calling managers leaders or calling supervisors leaders. Because again, in my opinion, leadership, a leader is a role that has to be, it's a title that has to be earned day in, day out. You can lose it as quickly as you can get it. Because mm -hmm. to me, it requires professional consistency. It requires uh, a professional demeanor. And it requires the investment in the individual. Those and can in be, your skill too, as the leader, like investment into yourself to develop that more. That's right. Yep. Yep. And it's, that goes back to the B of the B times do equals have formula, right? Am I investing in myself to become the leader that my business needs? Am I investing in my own education? Am I investing in my team? And that's, that is an extremely important aspect there. So, so the first key to a winning team is strong leadership is, do we have someone there that is investing in the individuals and that is providing the direction that we are all moving in and the guidance to, to get there. Uh, that's really important too. Like, especially if you're starting the business, you might need, you know, if you've got the idea for a product or service and you're creating a business, maybe you need to do some really soul searching and decide if you really are the best person to lead this or if you should have somebody else do it, or if you should get a partner. And then, so there's gotta be, uh, you've gotta be honest with yourself when you're starting a business or running a business. If, if, if to take the ego out of the equation and put the business first, what would you do kind of thing? Yeah, I, I love that. It's the concept there is ego side, right? Ego Let, side. Yeah, if we kill our own ego and really are honest with ourselves to ask ourselves, are we the best owner for our business? Yes. That's and hard though. It is. Especially as we talked earlier, the emotional attachment you have with your mm -hmm. baby. 
Mm-hmm. And and this is where our services are so valuable because we can we can work beside the business owner to provide that perspective. We we in a sense, if if you look at every single uh, publicly traded company, they have a board of directors, right? The board of the directors they're they're not involved in the day in day out activity of the business, but they demand expectations. They have they demand performance improvements. They demand accountability. And they're doing that because they're speaking on behalf of the business and they're, they're causing that, that, uh, different perspective, which is what so many business owners don't have. They, they don't have someone there challenging the way that they're doing it or their preconceived notions or making them a little uncomfortable. One of the things I talked to a lot of my clients about is there is no growth in your comfort zone. So if you're comfortable. You're not growing. And we talked earlier about if your business isn't growing, it's dying. So having, having this tough, but honest conversation, it, it's, it's one of those things that sometimes it's, it's uncomfortable, but imagine how much more productive it is when you start to realize all of this energy and effort, sweat and tears, love that you're putting into your business. Well, now, now, you know, you can see the trajectory of where it's going versus being on that hamster wheel. Mm. It's, uh, you know, while we're speaking, I'm thinking about some other interviews that I've done for the podcast and, uh, some of it's related to marketing and brand management and product creation. And, you know, I asked the same question to everyone I'll ask you to later is like, how do companies fail? How do brands fail? And, um, it's always product centric or monetary centric or not understanding your audience centric. And, this is um, taking more of a look on the inside of your company and the inside of your organization to why something fails. So it's nice to see uh, both sides to it. Yeah, yeah, and and we'll we'll dive into to that reason specifically. The the mm-hmm. number one reason is it's cash flow. That's the spoiler mm-hmm. alert. You're gonna have to edit mm-hmm. that out. <laughs> but but yeah, spoiler we'll, alert. We'll, we'll dive into that because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that's that's something that I I talk specifically with my clients because if. If we ignore what's the number one reason why businesses fail, then we're not being proactive. We're again crossing our fingers and hoping that it won't happen to us. I know. And that's where, again, we are not going to. What one of the things I work with my clients on a lot is the languaging that we use. And so when I'm talking to a client and they say, "Okay, yeah, this is what I'm going to do next week. I hope it's going to work. I hope this is good. Good hire." I'll the interrupt hoping. them and say, the "Hope disease." I'll say, "Are you? It's hope." <laughs> Is that your hope that you'll get to it? When do you have it scheduled in your calendar? How much time do you think it will actually take? Let's do that right now, right? It's the concept too of, you know, the, the, the polite, hey, we should get together. You know, if, if you and I are sitting down and say, hey, we should get together, I, I okay, say, when? Let's, let's put it in our calendar right now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? This is, I, I'm not dream coach wait until you get around to a coach right we are action coach we're gonna take action go. right now and and that's that's what uh what i help my clients with as well is to to start to be very intentional with what we're doing i love it i like the idea of intention and i think some people who are might be in like spiritual metaphysical kind of you know path like it's all about the power of intention and having the vision and the attitude and the mindset before you start something, I think really helps keep you focused and motivated and intentional. I love that. Yep. 
Yeah. So what? So I have a saying: it, it, choose to live an intentional life. It's a choice. All of it's a choice, yeah. really. Everything is a choice. That's right. And and it. even even the again where I challenge clients, right? Some of these questions you're saying, oh, that that makes me uncomfortable, or right? The you pick up the rock and there's worms under it, right? Mm -hmm. So if we see, I'm, I'm going to get off on a little tangent. So you, you give, give me okay. some grace here. So we, we have a saying <laughs> called fear, right? And a lot of the reasons why business owners don't move forward is fear. And we, we have the acronym F-E-A-R. It's false expectations appearing real. Now, I, I'm a believer. You don't need to be a believer in order to work with me or anything like that. But I think there's a lot of power in this concept that I'm about to share. Okay. So false expectations appearing real, that's fear. I have a slightly different personal definition of fear. It's an expectation of something that has yet to occur in a negative sense. Now I'm going to define faith. An expectation that has yet to occur in a positive sense. Oh, yes. I like that. So Ooh. my question, the variation in my definition between faith and fear is my perspective. It's your attitude. Mm -hmm. So another question, who chooses your perspective? We do. That's right. So I have the power, again, through intentionality to choose to look at a situation and be fearful or faithful. Reagan, I'm having way too much fun talking to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. See, this is this is the power of intentionality, oh right? We're, I love it. We're we're having great theological and but actually tactical discussions too with how we can approach life, how we can approach people and organizations and business. And and when when you do that and you you do it in a genuine way and you provide those tactical tools and you build people up strong leadership. So, but it, it really comes down to what kind of intention, what kind of perspective am I going to put myself in? Sometimes I, I, you know, I've done, I've done presentations before integrated medicine related, not related to business at all, but it's about how your body responds biologically. Um, the organ systems, the hormones, all that, what happens when you, uh, you know, people know about the flight, the fight, you know, flight fear response and all that. But, you know, I'll give you an example of what happened to me. This literally happened to me during uh, the flood that we had over here in Houston three years ago. So what happened to me was I was driving and I um, was turning at a light and somebody came behind me and actually tried to, to cut me off while turning. So they tried to cut me off in the turn lane and they were not in the correct lane. And so they hit me. And so my, this is a true experience. This really happened. And so, you know, yeah, it sucks. No, it's not going to be a fun experience after this, but it's all about your attitude and your perception. What are you going to do? I've got two choices. One, I'm going to freak out. I'm going to be ugly. I'm going to be rude, whatever. Or I'm just going to like, let's just pull over. Let's take your information. Let's just go through this process and take the heightened intensity of emotion and adrenaline and all this stuff out of the equation. Um, because you do have two paths. You can either live in this fear mindset all the time, or you can think, okay, well, this isn't great, but let's make the best of it. Let's keep positive. Let's stay calm because at the end of the day, 
my hormone response, my cortisol, my adrenaline all affects my body and can make you sick at, at some point, you know? So it's not just, okay, fear in your business and positivity in your business. It's like talking about sustainable, your, your health sustainably in this whole process too, because you can't run on fear the whole time you're running a business. It's just not, like you said, it's not sustainable and you're not going to be successful because you're so pigeonholed into this one thing that you can't see the opportunities of positivity. So anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in there. I love it. I love it. What, what you're talking about too, is what you look for, you will find. Uh, Abe Lincoln has a great quote about that. Uh, what you seek to find in a man, you will, you will see. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of, I think I paraphrase that. Um, I can look that up later, <laughs> but I'm, I'm pretty sure that's, that's pretty close. Um, so there's, there's the, the thing that's so awesome, and I'm using that word very intentionally, about how our, our mindset interacts and works with our physiology, with our, our blood pressure and cardiac and respiratory rate, and like you talked about, the cortisone level, adrenaline level. There, there's a part in your brain, it's called the reticular activating system. So... After you got in this car accident, did you did you purchase another vehicle? No. Okay. So the last time you purchased a vehicle, what was it? What was the type of car, or yeah. when was it? No. What a what Jeep. type of car? A Jeep. A, a Jeep. Don't I don't recommend them. But yes, Jeep. <laughs> they're they're not your sponsor right now, I suppose. No, they're um, definitely yeah. not my sponsor. <laughs> what color? What color Jeep? Black. A black Jeep. So. Are you part of this human phenomenon where as soon as you purchase your vehicle, you drive it off the lot, all of a sudden in the next month, you see it everywhere? Oh, that's true. Actually, yeah, I, I did start seeing the Jeep everywhere. Yeah. Or, or at least when I started wanting one, then I was seeing it everywhere. Okay, Before yeah. Before I even bought it, yeah. So this is in your brain. It's called your reticular activating system. Mm -hmm. And it's it, we call it RAS for short or your RAS. So... This is, it's kind of like the compass for your brain. It's what you set your mind to, what you become more aware of and cognizant of, you're naturally going to see more. Yes. Mm -hmm. So knowing how our brain works, knowing that we have the power to choose our perspective, if I were to choose fear over faith, and that's what I'm going to choose more and more, well, guess what? I'm going to see more and more things that are going to cause me to be fearful. Mm, absolutely. You get a gold sticker for that. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's, that is where, so, you know, a lot of times people will call me a life coach or they'll confuse me with life coach. I'm not saying anything against life coaching or soft skills coaching. All of those have their appropriate things. We focus on the business and the structure of the business and at the same time, we deal with mindset, we deal with words that come out of our mouth, we deal with getting the business to be more profitable, have more sustainability, which provides more time with family. So when we improve the business, we're also improving our clients' lives. Yes. So uh, what's the second uh, way of creating a winning team? You, the first one is strong leadership. Yep. Strong leadership. Second one is common goal. So as a business owner, if I come out and I try to rally my troops and I say, come on guys, let's get real aggressive at sales because 
I need a 47 foot boat. How, how well do you think my team is I don't care about gonna, your boat. They don't care. But this happens at times. Mm-hmm. This, this lack of common goal and awareness that when we articulate the goals that need to be adopted, that we need to have buy-in from the team, it's got to be from their perspective. And it's got to, again, be if, if we've done a really good job articulating our living culture, articulating and hiring based off of our mission and our purpose, what our objective is, then, then that can be the common goal. Let's figure out how we can rally our individual team members to maximize their God-given talents and their superpowers to accomplish our common purpose. And that, that can be, and it can be even something where we, you know, when, when we talk about mission vision, some of those are hundred year goals. So right. it could even be a weekly mm-hmm. sales goal. It could be, Hey, you know, we're going to do a pizza party, right? Some people are motivated by food. Some people are motivated by an extra day off for vacations, some extra PTO. We need to, it, we owe it to that individual to provide them what their success is so long as the common goal is being accomplished. So we're all working towards our individual reward. That is a way to extract synergy within your team. Nice. Okay. And so the third one is rules of the game, right? Which I think we talked a little bit about. Yep. Yep. So rules of the game is determining um, what's a penalty, what's a score, what's tolerable, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. What are the what are the expectations, right? In management, we expect what we expect, and that's part of again bringing that objectivity to the roles to define what success is and and helping people know how they're doing on a real time, real reporting basis. What's a good like frequency for that? So, yeah, so I I recommend um, my clients to meet with their team at least once a week. And ideally it would be a Monday or a Tuesday because that's, that's where you want to be able to look back and say, okay, what were the goals for the prior week? What did we not accomplish? And what's our plan for this current week to not only maybe move some of those goals forward, but also to be very uh, deliberate about what are we accomplishing this week? And then an extremely important question at the end, Mm. do you need anything from me to accomplish your goals? Oh, yes. I always ask that question. Yep. Because I don't want them to be wasting time, like sitting there wondering if, or not doing things because, or doing things incorrectly because I didn't support them. And that's, that's right. on me. Yep. That's my responsibility. Yep. Yep. So I, I, as a leader, I feel like their success, while they might have their own individual success goals, I feel like their success ultimately is my responsibility. And if I don't support them in the way that they need to be supported, then why would I get mad at them later if they didn't reach those goals? Right, right. Because you've, you've not created the opportunity for success in that, in that definition. Right. And and one of the things too is is a concept called situational management, which basically means I need to adapt my management style based on the individual's needs. So I'm going to be much more hands-on with a new team member than I will be with a, a tenured team member. And I'm going to be much more hands-on. So And, and the concept here is you, you have these four quadrants of management styles. And you can even have a tenured, a tenured team member. It's a tongue-tied <laughs> Uh, a lot of alliteration there. Um, a, a tenured team member that 
is performing excellent. And then all of a sudden, because you're tracking their performance objectively through their KPIs, you can see them dip. Yes. Well, now as a manager, I have to change my management style to find out what's going on mm -hmm. and be more hands-on. So, so the concept here too, when we talk about goals, especially on a weekly team meeting is eventually getting to the point, and this is the concept in the one minute manager, the, the new one minute manager book, um, to get to the point where the team is determining their own goals. They're not being dictated by the manager because when the team dictates their own goals to move forward, now they have ownership, they have buy-in. One of the things that I do with my people, uh, my team is I set the goals of the collaborative goals. Like we've got these things that we have to achieve this month and they establish their own path to getting there. And then when we have our weekly visits, I ask them, what's your path? Let's talk about it. What's your strategy? Okay. How are you going to do that? What's your time management? Is that the right thing to be doing in this order? Um, what happens if we're not meeting our goals, you know, do we continue on or do we stop the project? We have to continuously assess. And that's something that the continuous assessment is not necessarily something that the employee is always going to be thinking about. That's where the leader comes in. So I appreciate what you're saying. Cause I feel, I feel like that's been successful for us over here. Yeah. And, 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 and that's great. I, I love to hear that you're doing that because that that's why you have team, right? It's not to be, it's not to micromanage because if you're micromanaging, then you I have the wrong it. team member. I hate micromanaging. It's the yep. worst thing on the planet. Um, now, again, in situational management theory, you may have to transition into micromanagement at times because you're going to micromanage a new team member. And on the other side, you're going to micromanage a team member that may be on a performance improvement plan, especially if you yeah. if you're working in an organization that requires a 90 day performance improvement plan. Well, now you're going to have to spend much more time with that team member. Uh, it's not enjoyable. Typically, yeah. now you have certain people who like micromanagement because that's how they feel uh, empowered. And for any organization, that is the wrong person Agreed. to put in an or in a uh, management role. I agree. And, you know, I find that if I'm in a situation where I have to micromanage, then that's on me again. I feel like I failed um, because I haven't maybe created the goal setting or the environment or the approach for that particular person's need to be successful. And that's where you can't like have a cookie cutter approach with each person. You're going to have to really structure and support that person on an individual, different people individually based off of their personalities, their mindset, you know, where their skill levels are, education, whatever. Um, and so if, if, if I find that if I'm having to micromanage, that's on me. That's my fault. There's something there that maybe I haven't worked around um, or I'm neglecting and I feel like I have to work through that process. I don't put all that responsibility on the employee. Now, if, it, if I feel like I've tried everything possibly to get that person motivated or whatever, then it's not a right fit. But I like to give people the benefit of the doubt and try them. Uh, try working with them. And, you know, I think it's really important too, when you're hire, you hire people with that, you tell them, look, if you're not coachable, if you cannot be um, encouraged or like take perspectives from somebody else or to have self-awareness, I'm not going to hire you because I need people who are going to be part of the team who are going to want to learn. And I'm really hard on them. I'm really hard only because I see their potential and they do not. And so the micromanaging is 
I think a failure on my part personally. What do you think? I, I don't know that I would be that harsh on you. Yeah. Um, in a coaching session, we would spend a lot of time diving into why you, you feel like that's yours. I, I think, I think there are times and seasons where you need to flip into different management approaches sure. yeah, and micromanagement. It needs to be for a season Agreed. or a time yeah. again with either a new hire or some deficiency that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Um, but not indefinite. It needs to be a, right. you know, Hey, we got, we have an expectation here of for, for four weeks, for 90 days, whatever that might be. Um, I love your question on, you know, when you interview someone that those are questions that you ask, how do you determine in an interview when someone's on their best behavior that they're coachable? I'm with Reagan Patterson of Action Coach. When we come back from the break, he'll explain how to train a killer whale. How do you determine in an interview when someone's on their best behavior that they're coachable? That's a good question. And um, <clears throat> I have to say, I've been lied to quite a bit in interviews um, about people having certain skills that they don't have, um, personality characteristics that they like it falls through the bottom once they start. And I understand that there's a learning curve. So there's a little bit of I'm uncertain, I'm fearful, I don't feel confident and that's where you spend a lot more time working with them talking about why we're doing something the process we're doing it who it impacts in the company like creating a whole lot of this is why your role is important um, but I find that once we get past that part then everything kind of just falls like splat like slime when you drop slime on the ground it just splats that's what I find sometimes but <clears throat> it's hard it's hard to know how to hire people for soft skills sometimes. I would love to dive into that because I think we could probably talk a whole hour on hiring practices. Okay, and I'm making note setting. for a future conversation. Okay. Okay? Let's do that. All right. Let's do that because right there, are, there are certain, um, I will say Action Coach has a, has a very unique hiring um, philosophy and strategy, um, which, Ooh, I like which that. is, I'm, I'm excited to share that with you when, when we get back together. That's, that's a, a, a little carrot dangle so uh, um, well, i'm definitely interested in the carrot like that gets me excited because this is something <laughs> that everyone deals with it doesn't matter yep. what industry what business it's personalities and putting a face on during an interview is you might not get that on the other side once they're hired right. and then what do you do like oh my god and you know actually that's really interesting that you say that because i will start off employees on an hourly pay okay. schedule instead of salary because of that reason because hmm. it's easier to part ways yeah not necessarily that but sometimes they just kind of like don't put the effort in or they'll start leaving early or taking long breaks or whatever just because they already have decided that they're disconnected um and so for me that's been a i found to be a business strategy or like hiring strategy for me is everyone's hourly I, and I think there is an aspect there of you, do they earn the right to salary? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I, exactly. I think that's you it. have to earn it. You don't just get yeah. it. And yep. I think where corporate America is, they everybody just gets a salary. The, the, the notion of hourly is unheard of, right? 
it, it and it just depends on the role within within an organization. But I, I do like the it's kind of the concept of um, you know a, a team coach, right? And if you come in and I'm I'm a new coach to a team and there's already people there that are tenured on the team, you know, let's say it's football, right? Well, you don't you don't you're getting a blank helmet. You have to earn the logo on the t- on the helmet in order to be on this team. So I, I I like that concept. It gives it gives people something that they're moving towards. I agree. Um, yeah. So that's that's uh that's that's a it's a great practice. Um, and I have, let me ask you this: have, have you had better results since you've executed that strategy in your business? The hourly. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always, I started off hourly just because I like to be flexible with people. So if they're going to school, I give them the time off, um, without them feeling pressure, um, and, and without me feeling the pressure too. So for me, the hourly is really a benefit to the employee because they have that flexibility. I'm going to take today off or I'm going to come in late or whatever. Um, so that's kind of a perk, I guess. I know it sounds strange because most people don't think hourly is a perk. Um, but it is to me and the relationship and the team that we've built here, um, gives them more ownership in their business. So if they say, Hey, I need today off without having to feel like, Oh, I only have five, six days, five, six days left. You know, like that whole thing in the back of your head is annoying. Mm -hmm. Nobody needs that Mm -hmm. kind of stress. So I think hourly just works, uh, just because it gives them that flexibility. Yeah. I love it. I, I think if, if that's working for your business yeah. and that's helped you and, and you're finding, so it's, there's, there's a growing, um, movement towards a concept called gig workers. So people, people want to kind of have their hand in different pots and be doing different things. And so that the way to attract that market is with the f- increased flexibility and the hourly pay, um, concept. So, yeah. And then, and then you get paid as much as you want, depending on how much you want to work too. I mean, obviously you've got so many hours you have to invest into this. Otherwise you're not going to have a job. Um, right. but you know, if, Hey, you want to work overtime or you want to work extra hours, I'm okay with that. As long as it's approved or whatever. Um, if you want to work on a Saturday cause you took off Friday, that's okay with me. Yeah. Um, so it just, it gives everybody more peace of mind and like relax. We feel more relaxed in that type of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. So that's some of the rules of the game that you've established, whether they're, they're specifically articulated and signed and they agree to it, or it's, it's been what you've been creating, but that's, that's what's working for your business. And if you're happy with the results and your team is engaged and you're, you're extracting, uh, this, the value that you expect for their compensation, for their contributions, then, then that's terrific. That's, that's your success. Well, another thing too, is I like, I like to recognize people for their successes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I get good feedback from customers on a particular person, I want to celebrate that. I don't want to just let that fall and just say, Hey, this person had some nice comments and that be it. Let's go to lunch. Let's do something to celebrate that, that win. Yep. And it might not yep. be something that's huge, but Hey, you did something amazing and you were recognized for it. And it not just by me, but customers. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Have you uh have you read a book called Whale Done? No, what is that? So it's it's a book about how do you train a killer whale. Oh, okay. And you don't and, and so the the whole concept behind this book is a, a business manager who is struggling engaging his team because he's grown up in the uh, management style of you point out deficiencies, you point out where people failed, right? So the, the concept too, and this is in the the one the new one minute uh, manager, is imagine that if you you at work you see people that are demotivated, 
right? But if you see them at the bowling alley on Friday night, boy, they're jumping up and down there. They seem motivated, right? And the concept here is because when they roll the ball, they can see the results. They know what they're doing. They know how to improve it, right? If I, if I only hit two pins on the left, well, I'm going to take a foot to the right next time I bowl, and now I'm going to do better. But if we take that same bowling alley example and put it back into the office, the concept of this team member that's doing their job, it's like if they're at the bowling alley and the manager is holding a piece of paper in front of the pins at the end. So the employee's rolling the ball down and maybe, so let's say that they knock down two, right? Well, the manager, what do you think the traditional manager says? What? He doesn't say you got two. Uh. He says you missed eight, right? Because that concept is we're, we're focusing on what you didn't do right. So where, where those tie in is you can't train a killer whale by telling them that they didn't jump through the hoop and by beating them with a stick, right? That killer whale, you have to reward when they jump out of that water. You have to reward the next time they jump a little higher, the next time they jump through the hoop, right? You have to reward the behavior that you're seeing. Yes, yeah. And that's now what you're actually going to get more of is the behavior that you acknowledge. Yes. So some some what what you're doing innately is is fantastic and that's going to create a motivated team to do more of this activity because it's getting acknowledged, yes. it's getting appreciated and rewarded. Exactly. Well, and it puts everyone in a good mood and it makes them right. makes them want to do more and and it's not just more of that same thing but just more of everything and the enthusiasm spreads, you know. And when you have a happy team member that's engaged, you get far more productivity. And they are part of this winning culture that wants to do more, that wants to help out more, that is, that is going to be actively looking to recruit people to your team as you grow and scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it. yeah, it's, it is a, again, what we look for, we will find. And when you intentionally acknowledge and recognize that uh, those wins, you're going to find more and people are going to be more engaged. Yes. Love that. Love it. Okay. So number four, mm -hmm. <laughs> number four, the seven keys to a winning team yeah. is an action plan. Okay. So we define action plan by three key contributions. Who does what by when? Mm. Okay. A lot of a lot of uh, confusion occurs because someone believes that they've communicated something effectively, but it wasn't received the way that they intended to communicate. Yes. Right, and this can cause a lot of friction within business, within relationships. Period. So we have a saying that true communication is measured by what the recipient hears. Right. And that is the feedback that we get. So if I, and, and I'm I'm consider myself a strong communicator, but I've been in meetings where I felt like I was really clear and I started to recognize that the team wasn't executing what I thought I was communicating. So then I asked for feedback and started to say, OK, there are times where I may I, I, I may brush over something that I need to spend more time on. So I started to get to the point where at the end of meetings, I would have some team members repeat back to me. Yes. Right. Uh -huh. So if we, if we become, if we come away from a meeting or accomplish our goals through specific action steps, action plans, 
who does what by when. That removes so much confusion, miscommunication, frustration, ambiguity, because we have clear action steps. Mm -hmm. And I think there's also an opportunity to repeat it back, have them repeat it back to you just so that there's same understanding. That's right. Mm -hmm. So when, when we have at our team meetings, when we talk about, okay, what is, so what's your goal for this next week? What's your action plan? This is what I'm going to do by this time, right? So it's who does what by when now we, now we have, again, we're gaining more clarity, more objectivity yeah. into how we get going to accomplish that goal, that task, that common goal and what your individual contribution is. And that's how we can, we can again, create that synergy and harmony with the team working very effectively together. Love it. Like so it. number five mm -hmm. is support risk-taking. Ooh, okay. Why do you think risk-taking is important? Because it might create opportunities that you didn't see otherwise. And it That's allows right. for creative, you know, creative perspective to solving an issue or, you know, I think it's just a creative, I, I, creative path, I think. Yeah. So what, what's the famous Thomas Edison quote about how he failed to make a light bulb? But he said, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I learned how not to make a light oh, bulb like 10,000 times, right? So if we are addressing an area in our business that we want to improve and we want to try something new, we have to recognize that the opportunity for failure exists. And that's a risk. Mm. And so we have to we have to recognize that our intention is to try something new to improve the situation, the process, the result. But the opportunity for it not to happen also exists. And we have to support the team in that risk taking. I always told my team, I am I will never be upset with a mistake or with an error. I'll be upset with a mistake or an error that's hidden and we're not taking ownership. Or I'll be upset with a mistake that's made multiple times. Because that means we haven't rec recognized it and put something in place to have corrective action. I really like that. I really like that. And I think we feel like that. We think like that, but we've never verbally said it. So I think there's some value there. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. That's, that's why it's part of our keys to a winning team. So, and number six is a hundred percent involvement and inclusion. We have a team meeting. We're not going to have a team meeting with only half the team. If there's something that's really important for us to communicate to, uh, to the organization, we're going to do it when everyone's there. So we're all hearing it at the same time. This is especially important if we're talking about any kind of mergers and acquisitions, because in the lack of, of clear information, people will make up their own. This is how rumors uh -huh. run wild. So if you have a lot of rumors in your business, that means that you don't have clear information that you're not doing 100% inclusion and involvement. Yes, that's so because true. You see that in really big companies um, or, you know, mid-sized companies, small, mid-sized too. I see, I've seen it all. I've seen that too. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it happens when we compartmentalize. Now, I'm not saying that as a business owner, you need to be telling your frontline manager, you know, how much cash is in your operational account and what your profit is. But there are certain things in your business that 
that everyone has a right to know the common goal, strong leadership, what are the action steps, how is success measured? And if, if we start to compartmentalize departments against each other and we're sharing information with one and not the other, yes, yeah. then that's, that's where we can create more division within our organization. Oh boy, I'll tell you about an experience I had. <laughs> it was a small company, maybe about 100 employees. And uh, I would work directly with the CEO. And uh, I was marketing consulting at that time. And uh, so then one day you go into work and there's this new person who says, let's go have happy hour. So sure, I don't even know who you are, but sure, let's go have happy hour. You're a new employee. Let's get to know each other. And it was fine conversation, like casual, nothing business, nothing like that. Um, then the same person would do this, uh, with other people and not one time was it communicated to anyone that this is the new boss, not even by the new person. Wow. There was no communication. Like, look, there was a new person coming in. He's going to be doing this. Um, the people that are going to be reporting to him is this. And, uh, yeah, it pushed a lot of people away um, in the sense that you didn't include me in this process. You didn't inform mm. me. You didn't even tell me that I have a new boss. Like, how, like th this, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. Right. And I may have not been uh, addressing the audience in the manner in which had I known what the audience was. Yeah. Right? Because we talk about proper communication, time, place, audience is incredibly important. I don't even know who this new audience member is. I may have divulged something that I shouldn't have because you were being cryptic, cryptic. and hiding information yes, from me. Cryptic. That's the word. And you know, there's more behind that obviously, but you, you start to have resentment toward this CEO and this new person because you weren't respected in that process. Mm. You're an employee in that situation and you're not feeling involved versus, right. you know, I know we're talking to a lot of business owners right now, but put yourself in the mindset of the employee. That's right. Yep. Yep. And it's, it's, um, proper communication and understanding how to include and involve your team is something that, that warrants some specific strategic thinking time because there are, there are instances and I've been involved in some mergers and acquisitions of businesses where, you know, we were at the goal line and there were rumors starting to go around about, you know, this acquisitions occurring. And it didn't happen. And those rumors, A, they shouldn't have been shared. Um, and it caused a lot of unnecessary energy and drama and confusion and uncertainty. Um, and then I've also been around some mergers and acquisitions where um, it went through and the transition was utter chaos because mm -hmm. no one knew what was happening, exactly. which is, which is, um, it's avoidable. It's a certain way to, it, it is, it is a hundred percent avoidable and it's a certain way to dissolve the team. Yeah. Um, my advice to those who are listening, who are working for a company and you're part of the problem is it's a very simple solution. And that is have a meeting, have a, send out an, um, 
a notice to everyone, like a bulletin or whatever. Um, let people know, like, this is the plan. If you hear this, this is what's really happening. Um, get people early in on the awareness part of it so that it's not a shock. It's not a surprise and people are prepared. Um, you know, and I think people need to understand when there is change management of some sort that they understand how that person's going to be affecting your role. And, and even if it's, we're not entirely sure, but we are here to answer any questions, please come to us instead of engaging in water cooler talk exactly. and rumors. Or if you hear something that doesn't sound right, please come and address it with us. Having that it will reassure people that A, you care about them and that what you can share, you will. Yeah. And then talking about the getting people to buy into an idea, whether it's, you know, mostly we're talking about internal communications right now, but, you know, a lot of that has to do with what's in it for me. Like, what's the value in the people in this process so that they can participate because if they don't see what's in it for them they're not going to care they're not going to want to do it they're going to like oh, that's for somebody else so let somebody else do it not me yeah so uh in your other marketing calls have you have you talked about the what's in it for me yes we talk about creating the definition from the audience perspective like what does okay. the audience want mm -hmm. yeah so it's that's that's what we we go through in our sales training and and marketing, it's it's the it's the radio station besides this podcast, right? It's the radio station that everyone's tuned into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which everyone's is WII FM, <laughs> News Radio Me Radio, right. right? So it's what's in it for me, and and that is the concept that we should be always talking about when we're tailoring communication, right? So whether it's product information, whether it's internal communication, it's that audience with them. It's what, how do I communicate this for the value? You know, and even, even if it's that flyer that you were talking about just a second ago, you are a valued member of this team. Yes, we are going through some changes. We, we want to inform you as we have the information readily available. We're here to answer questions. You know, at this stage, anything that you hear at, after this is rumor, please come and talk to us and we'd be happy to clear up as much information as we have when it's available. Yes, I like that. Even something as simple as that. Yeah, it is simple and it can avoid so many problems, like so many problems. Um, but it also goes back to that common goal and that strong leadership and then setting the rules of the game and part of that action plan. Like all those things are very much connected in this whole process. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And that brings us with a nice bow <laughs> to number seven, Okay. which is continuous learning. Do you know the only place where earn comes before learn? It's in the dictionary. Earn comes before learn? Yeah. The only place that you can earn before you learn is in the dictionary. Everywhere else, you have to learn before you can earn. Ah. Right? So the concept is uh, you can basically get compensated in our current society by either doing work from the neck up or from the neck down. <laughs> and the larger and more complex things that you do normally come with more compensation, right? So now we as society need all kinds. We need, we need the janitors, we need uh, the tree and the landscape guys. We, we so I'm not trying to say oh, that, no, that we need what everybody. they do, yeah, absolutely. That, that only the white collar people are no, adding value. That is no. not at all what I'm saying. No. 
but as a general rule, you can get compensated for work from the neck up or the neck down. And as a general rule too, if you're, especially if you're doing work from the neck up, the more complex the problem, the more compensation. So for example, a, um, you know, a data entry clerk is going to probably be compensated less than someone who's doing open heart surgery. Very different skill set, very different educational certification that's required. And thankfully that's true. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because I want my <laughs> I want my open heart surgeon yeah. to have done this operation and have gone through the schooling and training because I, you don't get a chance to fat finger, you know, putting the artery in the right spot. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Right. Whereas <laughs> as a data entry clerk, we expect to have some numbers inverted or some typos, things like that, right? So um, when we talk about developing a culture of a team with continuous learning, this means investing in your team. This means building up your team. Now, I've talked to several business owners that actually struggle with this concept and, and resist it because they say, yeah, but if I train my team, they'll leave. And I challenge them. I say, what's the opposite? If you don't train your team, they stay. Now you have a team full of untrained people, which by nature are limiting their value to your organization. Your organization's not moving forward. It's not improving. We've already talked about what that means. So the trick is, and this is where I I differentiate from strictly soft skills, coaching and development. Soft skills is traditionally thought of as I'm investing in that one individual. The way that I approach uh, building up team, building up executive coaching and businesses is yes, we are doing that for the individual, but what residual value will the business gain when we experience turnover? So like we talked about earlier, you're, you're the business owner that has you know, all the secret sauce and the, the, the secret recipe to make your business successful. That's great. That's terrific. We've got to imprint that structure, that knowledge, that systemization into the business to replace you. If we recognize that we are going to scale our business, do we expect to have turnover? Of course. We do, yeah. Right. Even if we have a hundred employee business, we expect to have turnover. And we want to have turnover. We want to have succession plans for someone to move up within the organization. And we want to expect turnover for people who have outgrown our organization. That's a great thing. The great thing. I I always told my team that I don't expect you to retire working here. But what I do expect is while you're here, I want you to extract the most value out of what we have to offer. And to be able to look back on this opportunity as something that helped make you better as a stepping stone to get where you want to be. Yeah. And so when we approach our business from that perspective, when we invest in our team and have, have that approach to build them up, understanding that they're building the business, then it now becomes a wonderful place that you want to be a part of, that you want to recruit your friends, your other a grade players right to come be a part of this we're building something special and and that's how it can create a wonderful circle where you as the business owner have created this winning team which then takes care of your customers 
in a winning way, what your customers recognize, they have that touch point where they go, man, this is, this is something here that's pretty special. And they keep coming back, which takes care of the business and the business takes care of the business owner because of what you've built. Yeah. Oh my God. You, that's awesome. So that's part of my, the culture that I've established too, is I feel like the people that work for me are my mentorees. Okay. And I'm more of like their mentor than their boss, if that makes sense. Because I'd never call myself a boss. Like that's the first time I've ever said that, by the way. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I, 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 uh, I've kind of like I push them because I want them to succeed, and then uh, increments. I'm like, look what you just did. You did this. You need to put that on your resume. Um, so like they're like, put it on my resume. Why am I leaving? No, but I'm. I'm preparing you for the next step of your life your next step of your career and if it's here wonderful i want to keep you but if it's somewhere else at least you're prepared and these are like milestones that you've accomplished that you can definitely uh, add to your resume and say look this is a big deal i helped establish sops for a company like who like how many people get that opportunity to set operating procedures for a company like that's small you it seems small but it's a big deal and it helps them think about a professional career versus a job. And it also creates the culture of more ownership within that position. They're invested in building a better business. Exactly. And that benefits you. They don't know it though. Yeah, but they don't think of it that way. I'm like, the way they think of it is, I'm just gonna go to work, I'm gonna work hard. And if I get work hard, I'm gonna be celebrated or whatever. I want you to be ready for your next job. Even though I don't want you to leave though, that's not what I'm saying. But I want to make you the best you can be to help you take you to the next level, whether it's here or That's somewhere right. else. Yep. And and you're doing that in the with them, right? The what's in it for me language is that you are investing in them. And at the same time, they're invested in doing their job more effectively and efficiently, which helps build you the business that you want, yeah. which helps you provide that exactly. product and service it, to your, your market. And then you get the, like the whole loop thing that you were just talking about of then getting the, getting the business back and having the good reputation and so forth. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, th- this is the, it, and a lot of times the conversations that we're having right now, if you are stuck with looking at the, the, right, the concept, you lose the forest for the tree. Right. This means that you're reacting to business. Your perspective is just on that current task. Right. And I and I talk with business owners all the time who are too busy. I, how, how much how, how much time does your coaching program take? So, well, it's an hour a week. Ah, that's too much time. I don't have it. So my question is, OK, well, when 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 is now the right time to choose success? Mm. They're not willing. Because if we're not deliberate and intentional, right, we just continue to be reacting to our life and to the busyness of being in business. The reality is that's a choice that people are choosing, but it's not going to move your business forward. So investing that one hour a week, investing the this, this strategic time to carve out of your calendar to say, no, this this is my strategy time on Fridays. I'm not I'm not available for meetings from 10 to noon because I'm doing my on the business work. You can find Reagan Patterson on LinkedIn. His name is actually spelled R-A-G-A-N, and he's available on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Alignable. To learn more about his business, Action Coach, please visit MCTX. That's Mid Central Texas, MCTX.actioncoach.com.
Hey, Reagan, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. This was amazing. Really appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, please subscribe to Making It to Market wherever you listen to podcasts or listen from our website, makingittomarket.com. Thank you for your honest five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And a special thanks to our listeners and show sponsors. Without your support, I would not be able to do this. As you know, Making It to Market is a new show and I need your help to get the word out. Feel free to share links to your favorite episodes. You don't want to miss the next one where we talk about the four reasons why businesses fail. If there's a topic you'd like to hear, have a comment, or even a question you'd like for me to address, feel free to leave me a voice message on our podcast phone line. And if we air your question or comment in an upcoming episode, we'll send you a Making It to Market t-shirt or mug. Details are in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Until the next time, make decisions that make a difference.